and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Oh, wealthy, <laughs> wealthy fam. <laughs> How are you? Um, I have jet lag and this chair squeaking. I'm going to try not to have it squeak so much. God damn. Okay, I wonder if this, wait. So completely random and unnecessary, but bear with me as I change chairs much much better that one was going to make it very very hard for me to be heard actually both these chairs creak so i'm gonna sit super super still um because it's drizzling lightly outside i was gonna do this outside i haven't done an outside video in a while since sri lanka you guys remember i used to do videos out there mm, okay so Phew, I'm going to make this quick because I've got jet lag. So technically it's like almost 5.30 p.m. here in Mexico. But my body is at like 12.30 a.m. Sunday in South Africa. I'm still trying to adjust. I'm just, I'm fading. I, fade, I start fading at about 4 p.m. I can barely, I sleep like four hours a day, so I'm trying to stay up until 11 p.m., but then I'm up at like 3 a.m. It's going to get better. <laughs> but jet lag is a beast that I had forgotten because it's easier to fly forward. So if you're going from backwards to forward, like going from South Africa to Asia, jet lag wasn't an issue because there were a few hours ahead and I didn't have to stay awake, right? Because at night time, I would just sleep. <laughs> when you're flying backwards, that's when it hits you. And I haven't done the backwards flying in a while. So the last time I've flown back was when I was heading to Trinidad, which was in 2015. 14. I mean, I was there up until most of 2015, going back to my second home, which was Trinidad. Hi, Sarahs. So yeah, that is my jet lag explanation. <laughs> so yeah, you're looking at me with four hours of sleep. Like the other day, I was like looking at my face. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I look <laughs> sleep deprived, but all is well, it will be fine. Okay, so let's get started on this. So I went to the pyramids um, today at Titiwakan and it was awesome. 
Okay, I mean like a bunch of things happened, but <laughs> the most important thing why you guys are watching this is let's talk about the cycles of the womb and the moon, right? So usually um, we are taught that if you want to do, and there's a whole thing, like now I know in the personal development space, there's a whole thing about the moon being something that has been taken over by aliens etc etc you know what i can't <laughs> that like there's this whole conspiracy about how you can you shouldn't manifest with the moon i'm not a moon person as you guys know like i teach about the womb i don't know much about the moon it's not my forte this like when people were talking about new moon full moon manifestations not my thing but Honey works a lot with the moon. So if you're new to this and you don't know who Honey is, Honey is my sister. She's the one that is, she's the founder of Sangoma Society and she's a Sangoma slash shaman. And she does a lot of moon work and she does a lot of astrology readings and sharing things. I, I do not have that gift, guys. Like as far as my astrology readings go, it's like, your Aries, your Taurus, don't tell me about, don't ask me about moons in what house, what, like that shit just confuses the heck out of me. I'm more like work with the body, work with the womb, feel what's going on within you. That's us, that, that's me, right? That's what I'm about, like using your experience and trauma. I'm about what I've been, what I've been guided to be about. So I don't know a bunch of other things actually, which is why you guys don't get taught them. I can only share my experience of things that I've gone into, right? Like I know about mushrooms and ayahuasca and all that. But in terms of the moon, I'll be honest, I don't really know much. But I also don't subscribe to this conspiracy about that I've heard there's a there's something floating about the moon and it's being hijacked by alien planets so when we tie our manifestations to the moon you could end up with something twisted coming through ah uh -uh. like I feel like intention is everything and what I know about the spirit world is that over and above what your intention is is super powerful right and that we are free world beings we get to put boundaries even in the spirit world so when we don't when we go into the spirit world without any boundaries the spirit world will flame us and i'm speaking as someone who has gone multiple multiple times into the spirit world without any boundaries into spaces that went spiritually clean and i yeah, like life showed me flames, right? Like I got completely and totally flamed. Um, so, but luckily for me, from those times when I was younger, I learned a lot about like being very, very intentional in the spirit world and making sure that you're going in with your intentions very clear and setting spiritual boundaries and opening portals and closing portals. So this is why in the Money Matter course, we always send, we always ask for ancestors with good intentions to come through. We ask to choose guides with very specific intentions. So we're not just doing a vow of loyalty meditation and asking for any random guide to come through. We're very clear that we want a guide that will take us through to do A, B, C, D. So every single meditation when i ask you guys to call forth a guide i tell you what to tell your spiritual counsel and at the end of every meditation you get to send everyone back including your inner child your inner teen you get to have them go all the way back because the last thing we want is spiritual beings just floating around with open portals so yeah, you guys, <laughs> let's say you have benefited from my Wild West experiences in the spirit world because they weren't fun, right? So that's all I can say. If you guys are worried about what I, I've heard a lot floating about the moon. I don't know the specifics again because I didn't read out. I just like scanned it and my spirit was like, nope, uh, not for me. <laughs> like I'm good with, with, um, how I know womb um, 
rituals work, right? And again, everything is about intention. Everything is about boundaries. One thing to know about the spirit world is that all spirit beings are bound. When you ask for the truth, they cannot lie. They have to tell you the truth. So when you say, I want the truth, they have to tell you the truth. And when you set those boundaries, they have to honor them. Facts, there are spirit, there are laws within the spiritual plane, right? So there's a lot of things. So for most of us, because we haven't been utilizing those laws or we've been wide open, it has just created a lot of stuff. So that's also why you guys often see me on my personal Facebook profile where I talk a lot about that. Just the opening of portals that are not closed and just spiritual cowboys, right? That's what I've called them. That's my nickname for them. Because yeah, like that has gotten me in trouble. So Kayona, you say, I would love to experience the mushroom guided experience vibe, skin popping ma. Thank you. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, no, mushrooms um let's just say for now, all things psychedelic are not for me. Like I've done quite a bit, guys. Like I feel like on this journey to find me and my truth, I've done so much. Like I've like sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, there are things that are mentioned where I'm like, yeah, I've done that, done that, done that, experienced that, experiences, experiences, but I'm good, <laughs> you know? And I decided this, I think um, I had a mushroom journey in 2019 and I realized that I'm good. Like I just want to meditate and do this. Like this is the slow pace. And I remember when one of my friends, who is now a Buddhist monk in Myanmar, of all places, full-time Buddhist monk, he used to also be into ayahuasca and mushrooms and everything. And then one day he just decided meditation was his path. And I was like, what is this, you know? He went to Vipassana and that's what he's been doing ever since. He joined the monastery. He became a fully fledged monk. This is a guy that was doing all sorts of psychedelics on a daily. And he was like, one day you'll understand. And now I'm like, yeah, I think this guy had a point. Hey, this friend of mine had a point. Obviously haven't spoken to him in like three or four years because he's in a monastery, right? So I think it just depends. Um, this is where I'm at right now. This is not to say I won't wake up even tomorrow and say hey i want to try this because even today our guy does cacao ceremonies and i haven't done cacao ceremonies nor do i want to right in thailand they were so easily available i guess in the world that i'm in all this stuff is so easily available that it's so interesting that i just don't care for it um right now <laughs> i want to say right now because like i've often cared for it um but like right now my spirit just wants to do meditations but kayone that being said i want to encourage you to go to mushrooms if your spirit is calling you in that direction go 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 I agree with Sarah. She says sacred plant psychedelic spirits are powerful beings. They are. This is why I no longer mess with them and I don't mess with them experimentally and casually because I've learned that. Like I've learned that this is not <laughs> a thing that I just do randomly and for the heck of it and for fun. Right. And so Kayana, you say, V, where have you been? <laughs> I love, but I have been in some situations I know I had no business being in, in pursuit of me or peace, I do understand. Yeah, <laughs> once you've been through, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening in the spiritual space, especially, I'll just say this, especially where white folks are concerned, guys, like I can't. So any of the white people watching this, guys, like honestly, this is my truth. It's a lot, I can't. <laughs> A lot of it is very experimental, portals are being opened, things are not being closed, spiritual places are not being energetically cleansed. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm good for now. But the guy here at the pyramids does this and he was, this guy from the minute I joined the tour, first he asked this, he's like, would you guys like a, a historical tour or a spiritual tour? A spiritual tour around the pyramids. So I can tell you a little bit of history, 
but mainly it will be all about spiritual stuff. So <laughs> one of the guys responds, I want a spiritual tour. I'm like, I would like this. Uh, what says, I would like a historical tour. And he goes, and then I'm like, nope, spiritual tour. And everybody echoes that spiritual tour. So our entire pyramid experience was around spiritual stuff. It was fascinating. So first he starts off by talking about Christianity. So I guess I'm going to tell you guys the whole spirit, the whole tour, because I also need to decompress. It was that good. And again, like I said, I didn't have, I didn't even know why. And I guess he said to me that he had in big, bold letters that vegetarians and vegans were not allowed on the tour because they do lunch. And apparently vegetarians and vegans are so finicky and annoying. I missed all that text because the minute I, I didn't even read fully what the tour was about. I just saw it on Airbnb and I don't even, I was on Airbnb looking for something else altogether, like accommodation and stuff. And I saw this tour and I didn't even think twice. My spirit just said book and I just booked, which is just my MO, right? So on the tour, he finds out I'm vegan. He's like, it says so clearly that vegans are not allowed on this tour. I'm just like, well, I'm here now, <laughs> right? We'll figure out lunch, which we did. I had rice and beans and just like, oh, this incredible salsa and a cactus. Yeah, like actual cactus chopped up with uh, tomatoes and um, raw tomatoes and raw onions. So I was happy, you know, he was worried for nothing. And it turned out that on the tour was another vegetarian. <laughs> so I was the vegan, there was a vegetarian. And at first, before I announced my veganism, the vegetarian was trying to like ordered chicken and when he realized that actually he wasn't going to be sent back there wasn't going to be drama of that he just was like i also want the same i was just like dude his whole plan was to eat around the chicken more the green chicken mole <laughs> which i was just like but it was just such a beautiful term so sarah you say i so agree van regarding white folks handling spiritual technologies it is wild right so yeah, anyway, he asks, he starts off by asking what we want the tour. What do we want him to address historical stuff around the pyramids and everything he's going to show us about his village, the caves, everything, or do we want to get the um, spiritual stuff? So historically he could have done, he'll do the facts, you know, from this time period to this time period, all that you guys know when you read a history book, because I was on that tour, it was going to be spiritual whether or not everyone agreed i don't as soon as i heard that i didn't even know i just thought i was just going on a tour right so we started off and he explained how christianity came like how the pyramids were thousands of years old they took two, 350 years to build by the way and that people lived 40 to 50 years um, in that time period, which was long before Christ. And so they had to plan. They had this vision where they didn't have a God. They had divinity. So they worshiped the wind. They worshiped the water gods. They worshiped the sun God, the wind God, all that, right? And they worshiped, I guess, fire. Um, so they weren't actually all about worshiping um they didn't have a god like we do now so it was all divinity so they built these pyramids for the divine for the elements really and they decided that they're going to do this that it would take them 350 years they were able to calculate everything's very geometrical he was showing us it is insane and on the solstice on december 21st the sun rises right above the sun temple like you can see it he's got pictures of that and the date and you can see that and he said it was very strategically done in ancient times so how he explained it was that back then like thinking wasn't you do things for now, but it was more like we do things for the future. So he explained that they had like this whole strategy that 
you're going to live for about 40 to 50 years. So they spoke a lot about succession planning. Like how do you teach the next generation for the next um, seven generations? So he said it took the pyramids seven generations to be built. So how do you craft a vision and then take seven gener even though it's going to take seven generations to materialize, how do you make sure that that knowledge isn't lost? Right. And we spoke and he spoke, he referred a lot to indigenous knowledge that is being lost across the world. And he spoke a lot about rain dances. And um, we spoke a little bit about he spoke about indigenous cultures. So he also shared that long before Christopher Columbus, quote unquote, discovered America, um, <laughs> Oh, sorry, I just, yeah. Long before Christopher Columbus discovered America, uh, black people and Asian people were already in North America and trading with um, the Tichuacans, right? And the Mayans. And that we'd been doing all this trade long before and we'd been trading knowledge with each other, which was really, really great to hear so that we all kind of, have taken from each other in terms of indigenous cultures and we've been doing this was long before European people even got introduced into the mix by the way so very very interesting I kind of knew this history already that black people had been coming to North America and South America for centuries before Europe even ventured here and they've been trading so we'd all been trading and going back and forth between africa and asia so we all have this incredible knowledge which is why we all from australia like the aborigines africa um mexico asia we all have this thing of rain dances we all understand that you can dance and call on the rain that you can talk to the elements all this all this is within us which is so beautiful to be reminded of right and i know this is a thing that mumisa brought up before which is that um why don't why is it that yoga culture all this we have like when we're practicing spiritual spiritual stuff why is it that we're practicing asian stuff etc and to hear this today which i had answered that i don't believe that's true because our ancestors already knew this stuff and i know yoga is a thing for me because my ancestors gifted me yoga and a yoga mat and my mom's best friend is the one that told her that i would read tarot and that i would heal in the way that i heal like when I was only 16 years old, right? That they shouldn't be shocked at home that this is my way of healing because this is how my ancestors want to heal. So I knew from way before that like the stuff that I'm getting isn't stuff that's coming from <laughs> anywhere else but my ancestral bloodline. So today just hearing that and having that history dotted together which is again like guys I went for a pyramid tour right and like this is what came up and just it's almost like I'm here to piece together things and to understand certain things I'm like right <laughs> being thrown right into the deep end at a very early start of my journey in Mexico so I'm like uh, what do the rest of the <laughs> other months hold right so yeah, we've been learning from each other and we've been trading from each other and we've been sharing this knowledge as indigenous people for millennia. But now with the advent of Western culture, it's been, oh, this is indigenous to Asia. This is indigenous to Africa. This is indigenous to this. But we have been not just trading goods and stuff, but we've been trading in knowledge as well in universities. So very, very interesting. Before, like on the pyramids, we were shown places that were like a university. We were shown spaces that were used as universities a thousand years before Christ, you know? So universe before universities became a thing in the West, right? Like this is a thing that has been happening here. It's a thing that I know happened in Timbuktu, in Ghana. But all this stuff was happening. So he was sharing 
where they would learn with the succession planning and how when you were born, how the pyramids were built was that when you were born, just like in India, um, you would be, a birth chart would be done on you. So you weren't exactly, you could change trades, but you weren't exactly given an option. So when, let's say I was born on my birthday, my parents would take me to the priests and the priestesses and they would do a chart for me and they would decide this one is a minor. This one is um, uh, is a teacher. This one is a doctor. This one is uh, going to be a medicine woman, all this. And then you would be instantly placed into, you'd be brought up in a way that brings you into that trade. And when I asked why they did that, he said, because they knew they had 350 years to do this. And they, their population at the time was about 170,000 people, which is quite big if you're thinking like 3,000 years ago, right? So they couldn't afford that like one person is born and that there's going to be 10 builders for the pyramids. You needed more builders for the pyramids. You needed engineers. You needed all these people. So you couldn't allow people to just willy-nilly choose their careers right you didn't and he was like you didn't have the um, i guess the spaciousness that we have now which is that right now you can choose i'm gonna be a doctor and then like when you turn 40 you change careers when you turn 40 then you were almost on your deathbed right if you lived up until 50, it was a miracle, but this thing had to be built for future generations, right? And they had ceremonies to perform and all sorts of things to do. So that was a very, very interesting to learn. So we have definitely evolved in different ways, but also we were talking about how in that case, you also, there was so much attention paid to the time you were born, Everything was so meticulous so that they couldn't get it wrong because they couldn't afford to have an engineer become a farmer, right? So if on your chart you are best um, suited for mathematical stuff and science and engineering for the pyramids, that's where you needed to be. We could They couldn't like have you slip through because, well, people weren't paying attention when you were born and, well you'll just end up as a farmer, right? So things were very interesting. So that that really ha was such an interesting discussion and topic around vision and staying the course. And I think it's something that we can really have a discussion on in this course around like how, like how are we planning in terms of succession planning when we're talking about changing generational wealth or building something like who's coming after us what are we building what are we putting in place how do we ensure that the legacy lasts i mean we're talking about a people that built that thought seven generations 350 years ahead and knew like okay you will not when we start this our great great grandchildren may not even see this vision come to pass Right. And they wanted this to be one of the greatest cities and one of the greatest um, dynasties to ever be. But oh, so there's just a bunch of things. So anyway, all this happened, all this discussion happened at the Sun Temple. And then we went through a whole tour, etc. And then all the way another end. Oh, so the Sun Temple is built in the east. Then we went all the way to the north which was quite a walk because you keep stopping at different places. You see the universities, you see the apartments at the time, you're shown about the irrigation system, all that, right? And then we ended up in the north where it was the temple, the moon temple. And he explained that with the advent of Christianity, so before Christianity, uh, before Christ, um, 
men and women were the priests at the temple, right? You had priestesses and you had priests, and this was extremely important because of the law of duality. The masculine and the feminine had to balance each other. So the sun temple is the masculine, but the feminine is where a lot of stuff happened in the moon temple. But then you get Christianity, and he said when um, with the birth of Christ and the spreading of religion and everything, by the 1800s, as the conquistadors started to come into Mexico, you start, I mean, over time it was already happening, breaking down because the teachings of Christianity were starting to reach Mexico. And the whole thing was that women could no longer, women were no longer seen as the ones that held the knowledge. Like a priestess was no longer as respected as they had been in ancient times. So it was now all about the patriarchy and the priests and everything. And so with that came a lot of things being lost within spirit, within the spiritual practice and just within spirituality because then the womb was no longer as honored. So things that were taken for granted and were just part of the spiritual practice and was seen as super important so that they balance because again the, he kept mentioning the law of duality this that for spirituality the pyramids were built with this in mind that there would always be a balance right and as the imbalance happened with the feminine being more and more oppressed over time you start to see how like everything is being lost which is so, so interesting, right? So, and all, a lot of that comes with um, Christianity. So he explained that with that, because remember with Christianity came that like a lot of stuff about like men being the ones that are better at religion. They are the keepers of truth, all that, but that wasn't always the case. So then we went to the moon temple and this is where it got really, really interesting. So Sarah, as you say, this is so interesting. It is like, I was just like, wow, what is going on right now? <laughs> right? So just understanding the power of us doing this work and reclaiming the work that we're doing around the womb, around the moon cycles, around our cycles. It is just insane, guys, that this is actually revolutionary. Like that, they, this is going against the grain. Like <laughs> years ago, we, we wouldn't be able to do this work, right? Centuries ago, because, and we all know that, like this is why witches were burnt at the stake. A lot, like there's just a lot. And, we often think, at least for me, I often thought it just, it's something that affected European culture in terms of like the advent of Christianity. And I think, yeah, African culture with the loss of the land and all that, but I hadn't thought so deeply about what that meant in terms of what was lost in spiritual practices in terms of indigenous spirituality when women were oppressed and all the things that we have that we now are in the process of remembering. Because remember, we carry all this within our DNA, our womb remembers, all the stuff. So it's up to us to remember. And this is how you then, and then with that, you start to see how dynasties start to collapse because there is no balance, right? I hadn't even thought of that. That because there's no balance between the masculine and the feminine, in a spiritual sense, you're actually seeing it in the practical sense, in the political sense, in everything. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, duh, it is so obvious. Why did I only get until today to see it? But yeah, so there is the balance, like as the feminine is rising and there becomes, as we come once more into our spiritual power, that will also help with the balance of things uh, in so many aspects of our lives, which it seems so crazy. Like, I'm like, how did we get here? You know, I mean, he explained, but I'm like, honestly, just through, just through the introduction of like organized religion and like eradicating like the feminine in religion or spirituality and making us feel like, well, what you have to offer isn't that important. That just, I'm like, really? Can that really lead to so much destruction? But 
the proof is in the pudding, I guess. So, so seriously say, yep, people of color have been trading knowledge, culture, and technology with each other before Columbus. Again, like, I feel like I should, like, I kind of knew all these things, but I guess today was just, I was just there to relearn and to remember and to just, I guess, become very congruent in this. And so, um, Anna, you're saying, for indigenous people of Colombia, life sprung forth from the goddess Aluna. Yeah, so he was talking about that, that like this, even in the pyramids, there's goddesses and, God, and gods and divinity and all these things. But obviously, as you get more organized religion, your gods are the main thing. The goddesses are complete. There's no goddesses. So in Christianity, there is no goddess. In Islam, there is no goddess. So everything is like the god. But like who balances that? What is the balancing factor? Ugh, like I had such an, I'm having a profound realization, right? I'm just like, uh -huh. So it's also not just having a goddess, but it's that these two things, it's a constant duality. It's not just, there's just a goddess, but there's also, these things are constantly balancing each other. There's gods and goddesses, and this is, this is the world, you know, it's a constant balancing act. And it becomes imbalanced when one is raised over another, right? which is really really intense so Anna, you're saying um for they tried to wipe out the feminine a divinity and destroyed the knowledge exactly and sarah's you say what is coming to me as you're sharing the suppression of the priestesses is that the loss of balance due to colonization created the avenue of homophobia to occur yes of course because what is homophobia if not saying men cannot be softer, cannot seek the love of another man, right? Like, it's, isn't it just like centering toxic masculinity in everything? And then when it comes to a woman loving a, a woman, isn't it again saying that that's not possible because you need a man in the mix? So every, again, this is a complete imbalance. It's saying that everything needs to be centered around the masculine, but not even the divine masculine, around toxic masculinity, right? So, hoo -hoo. yeah, talk about deep stuff, right? So, okay, at the Moon Temple, what we were told was the first thing that I think is most important for all of us here was that um, Alejandro, who's our Alejandro, who is who was our tour guide said to us the first thing that every woman needs to know is that you have your own moon cycle a moon cycle that is unique to you that has nothing to do with um ovulation and menstruation but has everything to do with your intuition so he said growing up what they were taught and what they know from ancient times is that every woman once a month has a heightened sense of intuition. And that that date is gonna be different for every woman. So I don't, like I can truly say, I don't know this, right? So, I mean, like I thought like my intuition was just on point all the time, but he's like, that's the time when you just, you have to find it, you have to be aware of it. And he said, for men, it happens once a year. For women, it happens once a month. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that explains so much. And he was like, don't get me started. I'm not going to say too much on this. <laughs> but yeah, so for men, it happens once a year, this heightened sense of intuition and gut feel. For women, this happens once a month. It's, it's beyond our women's intuition, which we are always in touch with. But it's um, time of the month where we are just clued in heightened and he said one of the things to watch out for is what are what time of the month what dates are you not able to sleep he said there'll be a day once a month when you are always not able to sleep you stay awake all night and things are just coming to you you're having visions you're having insights you're asking questions you're going through stuff right not in a bad way but you just 
you know? And that is the time when you should, that is the time when everything should pause. If you're doing, if you want to have a baby, you want to do business, everything, that's the time when you sit and you ask the questions and you tap into your intuition and you connect with your womb more than you've ever done. And he said, again, this is different for every woman and it's outside of the realm of our cycle. So we need to find it. I was like, I actually don't know this. <laughs> I generally, like all the women, we didn't know this in the tour, right? We, there were only six of us. It was three men, three women on this tour because I decided to do a private tour because he was taking us to his parents, his um, family, his mother cooked for us, all those things, right? So, yeah, like... I don't like I don't know so you guys are on your own like I can't help you with this one I mean like it would take me it's gonna take me a few months to figure it out as well but we can definitely all make it a thing and figure it out in the in the group right figure out what's going on with us when is our time and I guess like he said you'll just have to keep a calendar to just notice your sleep patterns your cycles and I guess the womb journal <laughs> I know you're laughing I guess honestly the next level you womb journal because it has like all those points where you can record things it may actually be a good resource for this so you can start to just keep track of what's happening and see what happens uh, don't know <laughs> right so I'm lost on that but apparently it's very, very critical that every woman knows this because it's a game changer for us. <laughs> um, again, very last, I don't even know where to start. This is brand new information to me. I'm gobsmacked. So apparently women in, this, in that part of Mexico are very well aware of this and are living according to that. I'm like, wow, must be nice. <laughs> Nobody taught me that at school. Nobody's, I've never come across it. But now that we have, we can do something about it, right, guys? This is a very interesting topic. And then he said the other thing. So let's talk about moon cycles. He said, it's very important to be aware of the cycles of the moon. So how the new moon usually is when women would bleed. And he said, be aware of the new moon. If you bleed with the new moon or the full moon or any other times, it's fine. It's not a problem, right? But with the new moon, you will bleed. Most women that bleed with the new moon will bleed for a shorter time period, which like blows my freaking mind, right? Because I didn't know this, but I have noticed that there are times when my period is like three days. And now that I've been on the full moon, freaking full moon bleeding my period has gone back to like five and six day cycles and i've been asking myself what the hell because i've been so used to like three day cycles and he said once you bleed notice that women that bleed with the new moon you don't bleed as heavily right because you're not as full so um, there's just not a lot of blood coming out. So you will bleed, you'll tend to bleed lightly or for a shorter time period. So very, very interesting how the moon also affects our um, flow, how heavy the flow is. And then he said women that are on the full moon will tend to bleed for a longer time period, right? And, uh, and it may be heavier. So, <laughs> Sarah, you're saying, dang, I'm learning something new. Same here. Like, I feel like today I was just like, what the F? You know, like, I'm here for, like I said, like, I thought I was going to get like a pretty cool historical tour. I can't tell you how many people built the, the pyramids, etc. But I can tell you a lot of spiritual stuff linked to the pyramids, which is apparent, which is, Perfect, because that's like me at my core, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, so that is very, very interesting. So just being aware of that and then the full moon is all about being full. And here's where it gets interesting. So with the new moon, you're resting. Everything is like, you know, hidden, you rest. And then actually what they would do at the moon temple was at the crescent 
when the moon is in the crescent, right, is when you set your intentions. That's when you plant intentions. And he also said, this is when, oh, with the new moon, before I forget, if you're a person that eats meat and slaughters, this is a good time to do slaughtering or to do anything that has to do with um, letting out blood uh, because there's not a, an animal won't bleed as much. So if you have um, cats or dogs or whatever that you want to uh, mute or castrate or any of that, he said, please do that during the new moon because they won't bleed as heavily. It will be very light. So something to note. So if you are having feasts or anything that have to do with animals and slaughter, he said, please slaughter in the new moon. It's much more gentler. Animals won't bleed as much, all that, because it's just not a lot going on, right? Full moon, he's like, it's a mess. The full moon is when you're full, full, full. You've got a lot more blood in you. There's a lot more water. The tide is high. So you don't want to do any animal slaughtering or anything then or muting your animals or anything like that during that full moon period. So I digress back to the crescent. So when we're doing crescent in the crescent moon is actually when you plant seeds. He said, actually, traditionally, when farmers and they still use this method in Mexico, I actually Googled it because he said Google and it is true. Um, you guys can look at farming with the cycles of the moon, which will also help you understand the manifestation and how you work with the womb, right? Interesting, because I actually Googled that and I was like, I feel like, wow, this information has always been there, but I just didn't know that it was a thing and I didn't know where to look. But now I do. Uh, during crescent moon is when you plant your seeds, right? Is when traditionally farmers would plant seeds. And it is then when you would write your intentions. It's not during the new moon, right? And especially for women, most of the time we'd be bleeding and resting, right? Which makes so much sense. Because when you bleed, you're supposed to rest for three days, right? Also, which also then explains why there's this whole three-day cycle going three to seven days because it depends on the cycles of the moon, right? So you are more likely to bleed for like a shorter time period during the new moon and you would rest. And then um, on a crescent moon, the women, the priestesses and all the women would come to the moon temple and that's where they would then set their intentions and pray and do their manifestations and that's when also farmers would go and they would plant the seeds um plant seeds in the ground right when you think about it it suddenly makes a lot of sense so this is how we work with manifestation is with the crescent moon is when you plant the seeds and then you chill out and you keep doing your um inner work and your intentions and your visualization and you keep your journaling process going then you get to the full moon remember at the full moon this is when we would usually ovulate right again there is so nothing wrong if you're not bleeding in accordance to this with the moon i know this has been a big thing in our womb spaces but coming from a tantra space I know it's not a big deal whenever you bleed. Just form that relationship with your womb. She will do whatever she does. And there's also very specific reasons why, like sometimes I've gone new moon, gone full moon, gone waning givers. So every time you do all this, it's because you're in a different phase of your life. So then your bleed will start to mirror that with the moon. And it will make sense. Let me keep explaining. So, new, a full moon is when everything is full, right? You're overflowing. And he was saying that stats show that actually there's more people, more people get into car accidents during the full moon. Um, hospitals are fuller during the full moon. People are getting into more fights during the full moon. Um, People are angrier during the full moon. People, that's why it's called like lunatic comes from Luna and madness from the moon. Um, so it's just like everything is just heightened. 
So everything with full moon is heightened, which is obviously tied to, if you think about women and when we're ovulating, we're out there, we want to be out there, you want to celebrate. So this is the perfect time. Now that you've set your intentions, you've done everything and you've been paying attention to them during the crescent cycle, you get to the full moon and then you start paying, that's, this is when you start um, taking action. So during, as the moon gets fuller and fuller, you take more and more action, you're alive, you're out there, you go, you market, you do things, which makes sense because traditionally people say, well, people that work with the moon and the womb, which is not my thing, like I just work with the womb period, but they say that we usually ovulate with the full moon. So during ovulation is when you would do your thing. So during this time, he said, um, this is when you want to eat succulent, water-based um, fruit and vegetables. You just want to nourish, which makes a lot of sense again, because if you think of the full moon as something linked to ovulation, who are we during ovulation, right? We're so like juicy right we're like wow um and then he says so after the full moon you take your actions etc and then as you enter waning gibbous right the cycle of the moon which again makes a lot of sense because this is the part of us as women we are now preparing for the period again as we're going, we're going towards the new moon. He said, this is the time when you start shedding. So if you're going to do fast, this is the time to do it with the waning gibbous, right? He said, actually, it's known, at least with the Tijuacans, that this is the time when you do your sweat lodges. So your sweat lodges, your fast, your... Um, he talked about parasite cleanses. He said, this is the time when you should be doing all that. This is the time when you sit down and you do rituals around letting go, but also involve the body in that. So you're starting to cleanse and release what no longer serves you, right? So you've taken your action, you've set your intentions, and this is when you start to let go and you cleanse. So he suggested sweat lodges, great which we've already learned so much benefits from steaming and sweat lodges right i feel from covid and the pandemic although as people of color and indigenous people we've always had access to this most of us have been doing this our whole lives so he just said just make sure that now it's happening during waning uh, gibbous and i guess you can even start during waxing gibbous he was like after the full moon you can just start your cleanses you can go on your fruit fast this is where you really want to focus your attention on what are you releasing so then you prepare yourself for the new moon where you would then bleed again as a woman right and that's when you you've now let go and you now go back into the cave with the new moon and you rest you allow the body to rest and um, relax and to bleed again. And now this is the physical letting go of the bleed as well. You can take it even a step further and bleed with the new moon and bleed the intention, release that, whatever you're releasing with the around, whatever you were letting go of during waning gibbous. You can now even put it into your intention as you bleed and work with the womb in that way and then that's where your clarity would also come in right because you're releasing letting go and creating space and then you'll get even more clarity for after that where it makes sense ta-da, that during the new moon as you're bleeding and releasing then you go back into the cycle again with the crescent moon and then you would plant the seeds again right so yeah, and oh, he also said with the crescent moon for women, if we are trying to grow our hair, um, grow our nails, that's when you want to cut your nails, do your hair, get your nails done, get things done, because it's all about seeding things and growing things and then taking action and enjoying during the, the full moon. 
and then shedding after that and then going back into the cave and releasing extra stuff and just waiting for clarity and during your bleed you can also ask for more clarity so that you know what seeds to plant here okay i thought this would be a very short video but i hope this was helpful guys this was i mean <laughs> we were all just riveted when we were listening to this right especially just i think for me i want to try because you know i love fasting so I want to try and see what that looks like with the fasting. Like if I start fasting in conjunction with the, um, with the waning gibbous and in preparation for my, uh, bleed, even though, uh, but then I guess with me, because it does change. Um, and it's, it has, it, most women, it will change how you bleed with the moon, right? Depending where you are in your life. So there's different reasons of why we bleed with different cycles of the moon and why that changes our womb is trying to communicate with us. But I'm definitely interested in trying to see how this will go and doing the release ceremonies and fast and maybe doing more uh, steaming in that time and then seeing what happens once I start working with the crescent moon and like planting, uh, setting my intentions, being more intentional, thinking more fully about certain things, which may actually be interesting also to see which meditations I guess I do in that time because some meditations are definitely more around releasing, some are more around calling in, like definitely I can imagine that lesson 23 around receiving would be a great one to do with the crescent with the crescent moon right and then there's certain so there's uh there's a bunch of meditations that may be great like maybe even spirit of money meditations may be great to do in that time period and higher self meditations definitely in the crescent moon period because you're planting things but I don't know. So we'll all have to figure it out ourselves. But I hope you enjoyed this and it was as profound for you as it was for me because hot damn, like I feel I learned a lot about the woman, the feminine today. <laughs> Not what I was planning to do, but it was definitely a great, great tour. We ended up going to a cave. Um, gosh, there's so much. Like I'm just sitting and digesting we i got i chose to do a walking meditation at the pyramids we were given 50 minutes other people got to do a meditation got to just do meditations that they wanted i chose to walk around and do a meditation which triggered memories for me from past which triggered a memory from a past life but today was definitely just one of those unexpectedly beautiful days i can truly say i didn't expect this day to go this way i didn't expect it to go this deep i didn't think i would be doing this live <laughs> sharing this but i am so happy that i got to share this with you guys and i've been thinking very very deeply about this that even when i do the mexican retreat will definitely i wasn't planning on doing anything in mexico city you know but I definitely feel like this was just such a beautiful tour that it's just worth it when people come for the retreat and to have someone who is this knowledgeable. He said his grandmother was a medicine woman, so she taught him a lot, right? And she would share things with him over time. So this is how he got this knowledge. And it's not uncommon that this knowledge of things was passed on from one generation to the next, which is beautiful so i'd love to do it for the retreat as well so i just have to think like yeah definitely that means just mexico city and oaxaca so it will be a lot of fun and maybe because i know people are interested in doing ceremonies i'm also thinking i said i'd talk to him about doing a cacao ceremony so maybe that would be something that comes with the retreat is that like the thing with the cacao ceremony is it happens in a cave and the cave that i went to had that he took us to had a three thousand year 
a skeleton there and we weren't allowed to dis uh, to disrupt the bones there were two other people and how and he was showing us how we know that the person is royalty and there was a skull of a baby and he explained how babies were often sacrificed so that the rain could come so we got to see the skeletons of a real life person we got to see um a water jug big massive water jug um uh, that had like engravings of abundance that's 3,000 years old so there's all these things that we saw in the cave that are like thousands and thousands of years old and guess get this all these caves are in their backyards so he was like bringing up all these things it's like yeah because like they just live a walking distance from the pyramids so it was just so interesting. He was also sharing his childhood, how they learned all these things and how they went into the caves and saw all these things. So yeah, like now I'm just like, oh my God, for the retreat, I need to have the retreat here because obviously as you can imagine, this was like a um, six, seven hour tour. Like I've barely even scratched the surface of everything that was covered on this tour. I just remembered what I remembered, right? Not all the other stuff. I mean, he even shared how you choose groceries, how you choose fruit and veg, and how like the moon affects the weight of the fruit and the vegetables. I was just like, I'm gonna have to come back another time for this. Like the womb stuff got me <laughs> and all the stuff about religion and spirituality and how it evolved fully got me. But thank you so much, guys. Have a fantastic day further. I am going to have food, take a shower and really call it a day. Like this was so beautiful. Like I had such an incredibly profound day. I need to process. I also need to process my small little crying and teary fit during the walking meditation as I, as the memory came up and things came up for me, which was, it's quite an intense memory. I won't go into it here because trigger warning and things, but, and I know it's not linked to Mexico, but the temples and everything, it's linked to a lifetime I had in Peru. But there's also a memory that came up that this memory is funny enough, I linked to Ayahuasca in San Pedro because I had another memory yesterday uh, that came up during a San Pedro ceremony. And somehow yesterday it just came fully to my mind and I remembered it. And I remembered that this memory was in Mexico, which I'd forgotten. It was like I did San Pedro six years ago and I this memory surfaced six years ago and I completely forgot it but yesterday it suddenly came so much to my mind so fully so definitely I think that there's something here in this country for me beyond just like having a good time because the way I was during that work, walking meditation I was so cheery and I was so hurt because it felt like everything that was happening was happening right now. Even though like I feel like this happened maybe in the 14, 1300s. It just like I felt it. And I think the temples themselves triggered that because of that lifetime as a priestess. And I think it's even long before the 1300s, but it's the first ever it's the first ever memory and vision. That's the first thing that I saw five minutes after drinking ayahuasca. So this memory showed up and this was years ago. And I sometimes go back and forth into that memory, but I don't think it's ever been so visceral. And I felt so hurt with it outside of that ayahuasca ceremony. So with that ayahuasca ceremony, I really felt hurt and I cried about it. But today it was just as, oh, intense as it was in that ayahuasca ceremony which was like when the first time I drank ayahuasca was in 2014 no 2013 so it's been years it's like nine years since this memory came up so yeah I think that the temples just triggered it because being a priestess in the temple and everything I just remembered it and it's quite it's quite an intense and visceral memory and I just want to sit with it and deal with it. 
But guys, thank you so much for listening. I love sharing these stories with you. Have a fantastic Saturday. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.